This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. Joining me this week, two stories of revenge and murder in the forest. I'm joined by Kate Lamphere. Hi. And Kara Shimborski. <laughs> oh my gosh. Today we are here <laughs> to talk about our Goodreads book of the month that we picked from a general theme of things, but we'll get into that in the second half of the show. For now, this is episode 319, and I have two legally mandated questions I need to ask, and that is, how have you been? How have comic books been? Let's start with you, Kara. Okay, so I have reacted to the general chaos and upheaval in the world the past week by doubling down on my obsession with reading coverage of the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser Hotel at Disney World, which is opening this week and media Mm -hmm. coverage has already started. I feel like I looked at everything bad happening in the world and I have that on one side of my brain where I'm like keeping up with what's going on. And then on the other side of my brain, I'm like, but tell me more (laughs) about Mm -hmm. this $6,000 two night hotel stay. That's really more of an active RPG game. (laughs) (laughs) i mean we have to find joy in this world in some capacity and it just so happened that disney released the most absurd thing like in a real life existing kind of way right it's it so the for for those of you who do not obsessively track news about the disney parks which bless you you have way more time in your life than i do for other things um they opened this what they built as a hotel, but is really more of an immersive theater experience. They like some vloggers are describing it as a sort of escape the room, choose your own adventure, smorgasbord of activities for extroverts. Like multiple people have said, this is perhaps not a, a thing for introverts. So the more coverage I see, the more I'm like, I think I'm okay not spending six thousand dollars. This sounds very stressful. Um, but you, you're like going, you enter the hotel and it's like, ah, welcome to the star cruiser. And you're instantly immersed in this world on this, um, ship in in the timeline. It's between movie episodes eight and nine. So if you don't like the new trilogy, perhaps not the timeline for you, but it's like all new characters. And, um, but Chewbacca's there also as a known entity, and that makes sense because anybody in a fursuit could be a Chewbacca. So that's mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the initial report seemed to be that this is like a very time consuming, like this is not you're on vacation to relax. This is you're on vacation to do a video game in real life. And so the initial report seemed to be like, if you like games, you'll probably like this. And if you really like Star Wars, there are a lot of things to like. But as like a casual person going, perhaps not the thing for you, especially when you're spending that much money. So I've so, just been. So this is this is less like going to Galaxy's Edge, where you kind of choose what things you want to involve yourself in, and more like if you go to this thing, the experience is doing things nonstop throughout your stay. Is that what I'm I'm getting out of this? Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like either you're doing like all these side quests and stuff and you have an app that's actually like in a, in a video game. If you're tracking your quests and side quests, like your app tracks those for you. Holy um, smokes. But it, it seems like if you're not talking to the characters and finding the next thing to do, your options are eat drink and i must emphasize that the drinks are not included and cocktails run like 23 dollars each or 
<laughs> play. What? It's a cruise. Are we it sneaking in? <laughs> are we sneaking in fifths of vodka and water bottles that we resealed with a hot glue gun to this Star Wars fucking galaxy ex- expense thing? Yes. Oh my god. Um. So yeah. So I will continue to obsessively read all the coverage of this on land cruise ship because it sounds insane like if somebody handed me six thousand dollars and said i will give you this on the condition that you go to the galactic star cruiser i would say yes comma i'm bringing brian and kate with me (laughs) 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 so you have to pay for them too (laughs) right right Um, right but you know i i just oh man it's just so fascinating that that's what this giant company decided to sink a lot of money into so mm-hmm. I will eagerly await additional coverage of this experience. I, um, I have so many thoughts on this because I've been following it a little bit, too. But maybe we'll talk about this in the break more. But I'm just like, I have so many questions and so many thoughts. <laughs> so many questions. We could do we can do a mini-sode about the hotel that we haven't been to. <laughs> right. The, the, the external perception of this this hotel experience. <laughs> oh, my God. Um. So in in terms of of comics for me this week i got a stack out from the library that i'm excited to read but before i get into those i sat down the other day and read four books in a row by the cartoonist sarah anderson and her art her comics are perfect like i spent the entire day that i was reading these just taking pictures uh, because i was like reading it on my screen and they don't let you take screenshots but i was like I'm a millennial. I know how to use my phone to take a picture. So it's just mm-hmm, taking mm-hmm. pictures of the comics on the screen and texting them to all my friends. And I'm sure that they were like done with me by the end of this day. But I was like, this one's <laughs> funny and relevant too. I feel so seen, etc. Um, but it's just these little like slice of life comics about one presumes the the artist and her day to day life with like her cats and her friends and being an introvert and being a weirdo and. Um, I think her her style is like more um, more like s- simple, bare bones, but not as like squiggly as the hyperbole and a half stuff. But um, mm-hmm. similar to hyperbole and a half, I feel like even if I'm saying the artist named Sarah Anderson, you're like, I don't know who that is. If I showed you one of her comics instantly, you would be like, oh, yes, because I feel like yeah. she's one of those artists where her work is just on the Internet, even if she's not properly credited. So I very much enjoyed my deep dive i read like four of her books in one day um the her like typical comic format is like four panels for a little Mm -hmm. story and like sometimes the stories last multiple pages but usually it's a one and done self-contained situation i i i I texted (sighs) tia the comic strip where um the character's cat is just acting aloof for three whole panels and like doesn't want to be touched or whatever. And the second a door is closed in the cat's face, the cat just like smashes themselves against the door, like meow. <laughs> those are my cats, yes. <laughs> so it's just like those those nice moments that are very relatable to a lot of people and captured with uh brevity and wit in these collections so um very much recommend if you're looking for something funny that does not require a lot of attention which i think is a lot of people right now so Mm -hmm. try try the sarah scribbles books guys also i think they're all online i think it was it's like a web comic so i read them in book format because i'm a weirdo but yeah (laughs) i think she publishes it either on her website or via one of the many web tuned web comic based apps that i think you can read comics on so you can definitely find sarah scribbles out there 
Yeah, yeah. I think they're I think I found them in a in a webtoon scroll. But again, I'm so skeptical of these things. I'm like, but did she post them or did somebody else post them? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's at least, you know, good that you you question that kind of stuff. We all should yeah. be questioning things <laughs> like that, I guess. Um <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. Um <laughs> But yeah, is is that all you read then then Kara? I don't I, I don't wanna cut you off. Oh yeah, you know, that's that's my um that's my my comic moment. I guess my not quite a comic moment is I rewatched one of my favorite films of all time, Stardust from like 2007. Mm-hmm. And that is based off of a Neil Gaiman comic book slash story with illustrations. And it is one of the rare moments where I think the film is far superior to the original comic. Like reading right. the reading the book, I was like, oh, this is really sad and depressing and not very compelling and watching the movie i'm like i want to live in this world mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that movie is magical well kate what about you how have you been how have comic books been what else what else has been going on with you i feel like february has been a real bummer of a month and it's not getting better um and oh. i feel like my uh haven my harbor my like highlight in the last two years of this pandemic has been media and I really haven't found a lot of media to super get into for most of the month, which has Mm. just not helped anything. Um, But in the last week, Brian bought Horizon Forbidden West. So I've been (gasps) playing that. Nice. And I went to a different branch of the library than usual. (laughs) Very exciting. I was embarrassingly excited about it. It was a whole day of of errands that I had to go out and run. And I was like, all right, the last thing I have to do is stop by this this other library branch. And I was like, all right, when is that errand going to happen? Come on. (laughs) (laughs) This is like Kate just unlocked the new map in some video game and she finally gets to go and visit it. Yes. (laughs) amazing. (laughs) I was envisioning her more like she's the Red Riding Hood character going to grandmother's house. (laughs) She's just trying to. Yeah, she's like skipping through the woods of Michigan with her basket. Like, gosh, I hope I got some today. <laughs> I even I've so I've been watching K dramas in the last like year and a half or so, mm-hmm. and that's been one of my the, the things that I've really been enjoying. That's new for me, kind of new. And I I finally stopped at a Korean restaurant and I picked up Korean food that I was very excited to try, and yet I was still more excited for the. <laughs> Wait, the hold on. Library. Hold on. It sounds like you had a killer past week. Oh my gosh! Like, not only did you go to a new <laughs> library, you also got some Korean food for the first time. I, I mean, and you got to play Horizon Forbidden West. Like, what the fuck, yeah. Kate? You're totally, you're winning. You're killing it right Living now. Your best life over there, dude. I mean, yeah. talk about a way to like try to make up for the, the absolute horror that is the outside world right now. Holy shit! Yeah, turn it around. Um, what, what at least kind, for what me. Korean food did you get? I'm very curious. Um, it's called Takbuki and it's <gasps> like it's rice cakes, which yes. I really didn't know what those were, but they're they kind of were like these giant noodles and except that they were rice and not pasta. Um, yeah, the, oh man, Takbuki's like one yeah. of my go-to things. Kelly and I make that every once in a while and it Ooh. is fantastic. I'll have to try to make it. That sounds great. Um all right, so in terms of comics, which is why we're here. <laughs> Um, I so we read... talked about the Star Wars thing for like six. Minutes. I don't. I don't even care. 
post 300 we can do anything with this show this is amazing <laughs> i'm so fucking excited for the both of you with the shit that you've got going on um anyways go, go ahead go okay ahead, all right books um so, <laughs> so one of the the books that i found at this this uh other library branch was called beyond the clouds the girl who fell from the sky by a manga creator called nick and the art reminded me of castle in the stars by alex alice which is a bond sna and it also reminded me of Go With the Clouds by Aki Irie, which is a manga. And then the story reminded me of just like any Studio Ghibli film, maybe mm. specifically like Castle in the Sky. Um, and this world in the story is like this tinkers medieval style village and the people are all humans, animals or like human animal hybrids. You know, manga has a lot of people with cat ears, etc. This is not mm. an exception. Um, and this teenager who definitely looks like a little kid, but it's definitely like 16 finds this little girl with one wing, um, because her other wing has been removed violently in some way. She's like wounded and he finds her in a junkyard and he tries to help her out. And his whole like little tinkers workplace found family adopts her and they get into some dangerous situations trying to, trying to help her. And then the buff book ends in a cliffhanger and i'm making this sound bad but it's really good um, okay <laughs> and the rear matter like i tend to read the rear matter and the front matter in books and it talks about the creator's journey to become a manga creator and also like her journey to write this story and the character design etc and it just like really added to my appreciation for this book and then on top of this, Volume 4 releases this week. And the only thing that I'm mad about in all of this is that there isn't already like 10 volumes because I immediately want the next, you know, 10 volumes to read. So it's very looks good. Looks really cute. Looks really cute. I, yeah, Kadantra I, publishes this and it looks like, I mean, they say it's ongoing. So I don't know how long it is, but I'll have to dig in to see if we're how many volumes are published in Japan. But yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, that's a good point. There could be there could be more of this that are just is just not translated yet. But I feel like this would be up your alley too. You know, like you and I really have this like fantasy comic mm-hmm. manga in common. I'm, I'm looking at the previews on Kadansha's website, and it looks really cool. It's uh, beautiful. The way it's you really described unique. it, the way you described it, made me think of Monstrous, which is a very different book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it but it has like a similar it is a very different book, but it has a similar like the art style is like unique for the style of comic that it is, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It feels really bubbly is not the right word, but there's like a cutesy feel to the whole story, at least from the the pages that I can preview of chapter 1. Um yeah. I might have to snag this just to check it out see if I can get it from the library or something. Yeah, I um I do recommend. I think that you would like it. Cool. And I read I read a lot. So um, the next thing I wanted to talk about is a book called Alexander Hamilton. The graphic history of an American founding father and the writer is Jonathan Hennessy and the artist is Justin Greenwood. And I know this writer or I'm familiar with this writer from his, Another long titled book called The Comic Book Story of Beer, the world's first favorite beverage from 7000 BC to, day, to today's craft brewing revolution. So my point is that this guy really likes long titles. Anyway, this writer is very thorough and his books take a really long time to read because of that. But I always learn a lot and it's definitely like worth the effort. But this was a book that I had to like read a chapter, put it down, come back the next day, read another chapter. Um, so it took me like a week to get through. Mm-hmm. 
And this book felt like a response to the Hamilton musical. And I know that it's like, it's about the same guy. It's going to cover the same material, like the same things are going to happen. But like, I knew that the Hamilton musical wasn't historically accurate in some ways. And this book kind of seemed to like highlight where those inaccuracies were in the story. Like they, he was very specific about like the timeline of events um, and things like that. And even like down to, the costume design of the characters, like like Elizabeth Hamilton's dress color and style, it just oh like it, it felt very referential. I see. Da- I, Danny in the chat is asking if there's a lot of rapping in this book. <laughs> no, but honestly, there were like a couple of things, and even just like the narration, not the direct quotes from the people, but in the narration where it's Jonathan Tennessee's writing. Mm-hmm. And there would be these turns of phrase that I'm like, that's out of a lyric. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I love that you read a comic about Alexander Hamilton for today's show, because while trying to assemble my thoughts for our topic later, I just realized I'm going to devolve into talking about why I didn't like the Hamilton musical and trying to explain my thoughts about the book that we read. Oh, my. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know teasers for the next half of the show yeah yeah <laughs> um i have one more comic i wanted to just touch on briefly Go for um it. and this one is horizon zero dawn liberation which is the second volume of the comic um, Kate, are you a fan of the horizon zero dawn series or something maybe <laughs> okay 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 <laughs> uh, this book is by ann tool with art by ben mccaw and elmer damaso and the first volume focuses on an adventure with a like if if you're familiar with the video game, like I guess just should have started there. This is based off the video game. And uh, the first volume was an adventure with Aloy's mentor Talana. And this one, this volume focuses on an adventure with her friend Aaron, which is one of the first NPCs you meet in in the game. Mm-hmm. And you learn more about the backstory of him and his sister, which I thought was like very good like i really enjoyed like one of the reasons that i enjoy that game so much is because of all these npc interactions and how they all have these like whole personalities even though they're just like npcs and um i i don't know i don't i don't know that this would really be a comic book for somebody that doesn't play the game because it is just like Aaron talking about himself and his sister while they go on like this little side quest together. But mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as a fan, I really enjoyed it. Um, and I did want to say that like this didn't feel like it was connected to volume one other than it's in the same world and has the same protagonist. Like, I think that you could definitely read these out of order. Well, I I, I was actually surprised. I mean, like, I, and I think that's why the Horizon Zero Dawn books, because like Titan is has been sending us, you know, comps and stuff like that for these series. And uh, the thing I always notice is that they never label anything as like volume one, volume two, except for in rare exceptions. Like, I think the Blade Runner series that they did, they did like volume one, volume two, because it was supposed to be like a 12 issue series. <clears throat> and when I talked to, um, I think it was Henry Barajas when he was on the show, he um, mentioned that Titan like never intentionally puts volume ones or numbers on their their series because they want to be able to sell everything as 
you know, separate like OGNs in a way. Like they want to be able to market everything, even if it's in the same series as like, you can pick this up and read it, which is why you probably see more stories like this that are kind of like standalone six issue volumes, which, you know, is interesting because I think when it comes to licensed properties, in my opinion, that's the better way to do things. Um, unless you have like a really long 60 issue story to tell with Aloy and her, you know, friends, um, why wouldn't you just write like an anthology and heavy quote series of like six issue breaks of just like different different stories in the Horizon Zero Dawn universe and maybe tie them together with an overarching thing, but ultimately just make them independent. Yeah, that's I, I think it's, that's interesting. It's a really interesting way to approach uh, licensed books. I feel like the Firefly comics ran into this problem where there wasn't space in the timeline to tell these big stories that they were trying to tell. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree yeah. that like just to do these little side quest stories for for the people who are going to read these books already, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, I um. I'd be, you know, I, I maybe I should try these out. I like the Horizon Zero Dawn books, but I, I don't know. I just I can never get into video game tie-in comics, so who knows? Um, but you seem to like these, so maybe I don't know. Kate, your taste is pretty good, so maybe I'll trust you on this. Oh, I think. <laughs> um well uh i guess let me talk about some comics that i read um i have been i've had a very busy week. Um uh, I did manage to read some comics, but I have uh a little bit of an an announcement. Um, I, I told some folks on Friday, um, when we had like a little friends hangout, but, uh, Kelly and I have bought a house in New Jersey. Yeah. So, um, which is, which is crazy to, to think about, but, um, yeah, so I'll be moving pretty soon and my life is going to become absolute chaos. Um, I'm certain of it in the near future, but yeah, I'm going to be moving and all that other stuff. So I don't know how much comics I'm going to be able to read. Cause I feel like I'm just going to be tired of looking at screen signing documents and validating blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah, so that's like the only real exciting news that I have. Um, otherwise, oh, I did read some exciting comics. Exciting news. <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of cool to to fact the fact that I will no longer have to live in a place that is far too small for the means that I wish that I have, and instead I'm just going to be you know an unbelievable numbers worth of dollars in debt. Um, but <laughs> oh. you know that's that you know that's the price you pay for for wanting to kind of own a piece of property i guess um but yeah brian in the chat in the, in their discord chat by the way if you're not hanging out with us live on sundays at 1 p.m what are you doing um <laughs> brian says that i'm gonna finally have room for my comics and no joke that is the thing that i'm looking the most forward to is that <laughs> this house we this is not the only reason we bought this house but one of the things that i thought was really cool is that in two rooms there are built-in bookshelves into the wall oh my God. and i was like yes comic books can go there <laughs> and uh yeah i can finally get all of my books out of the dresser that they're sitting in and put them up <laughs> and show them off and stuff Amazing. and uh yeah so i'm very excited about that um as well as you know a place to have like an actual office that doesn't have to double as two other things and uh you know to have a basement that i can put all my stuff and not have to share it with other people and uh yeah so i'm very excited to to just have that happen um and it's you know it's just a new step in life because eventually maybe maybe I'll end up having a child or two or something in the future. And that's, you know, with more room, that makes it more possible. So, um, Mike, you're going to have to choose between having a room as a library or having a child's bedroom, just like the Skyrim, like build it yourself houses. Um, damn it. So. Damn it, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> the harsh realities of life. Um <laughs> Anyways, let me uh, let me talk about some comics that I read because I am very excited about both of them uh, that I have listed here. So the first one I want to talk about, this is an advanced review that I got from Image, so I can't really talk too much beyond the synopsis. Um, this is uh, Ghost Cage number one, uh, written by Caleb Goldner and uh, with 
co-written by Nick Dragata, who also did all of the art. Um, all I can say about this book or that I want to say is that this is probably one of the most bizarre and enjoyable books that I've read in a long time. Um, it's like a, it's like the most insane batshit first chapter to a manga that you've ever read. Uh, this first issue throws the entire kitchen sink at you to try to tell a story about a hyper dystopian future where energy is the need for people. Um, and there is a mega ultra you know, takes over everything, controls everything, corporation that kind of controls that. And I, I am, I was so blown away by just how experimental and art focused this story was. Not that the story isn't there. Um, I think that there's an interesting little like thing that, that Goldner and Dragata are trying to say in this book, but reading this alongside my uh, reread of East of West, I'm starting to really understand the types of stories that Nick Dragata likes to tell these bombastic, unbelievably far flung from our actual real world type of story. And it's the type of thing that you would expect to see in like a 2000 AD, or you would expect to see like not necessarily marketed from image. I feel like image doesn't do books like this that are so batshit out there, like really crazy stories out there. And this, this book really, really did that. Um, and I, all I can say is the art is absolutely incredible. Like this is an art for focused book. You can tell that Nick Dragata is experimenting with some stuff and trying some really interesting techniques. The, the story that I read was all in black and white, and I really hope that it stays in black and white. I don't know if it was because it was an advanced copy or what, but if this book goes into color, I actually think it will make it worse because I, you could tell, or I could tell that, that Dragata was really, really leaning into the idea of shading and sticking to rough inks and pencils only. Um, and I say rough, but just like there is a, I don't know how else to describe it, like a an unfinishedness that makes the book absolutely perfect that I would, I think that color and flatten, flattening color and all that kind of stuff would ruin. And yeah, I, I super love this. Like, I think I'm going to have to like get a physical copy of this book and buy the trade and try to get fucking pages ordered. Like this is such a pretty, book and dragata's art has only gotten better since his work that he did on east of west and and you know the other things that he's done i i really really love this and i think you would really make a mistake this week by not picking this book up uh, mike, like i'm not being paid or promoted by anybody like this book is unbelievably good mike i would like to sidebar about caleb golner mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah please so caleb golner is first of all delightful as a human being if you one day in the future when we're at comic conventions again <laughs> Go to wherever Caleb Goldner is tabling and say hello, because he is just like every I, I like interviewed him once upon a time for uh, the Comixology podcast. And ever since then, like whenever I go to a convention, he like remembers who I am and, and says hi. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I'm just like, you're a good human. Good job. And also his books are so much fun. Like you saying, oh, this is just everything and the kitchen sink. I'm just thinking like. Yeah, because he did Task Force Rad Squad and yeah. Mermaid Evolution and Murpugs. Like, yes, and he's done like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle books. I try, I just tried to send a copy of the cover of Mermaid Evolution because it makes me laugh every time in the chat, but mm. it didn't work. But um, yeah, like his Task Force Rad Squad books, they're up on um, Gumroad and. I have a few of the paper copies that I've picked up at comic conventions and I have like uh, for a while he was selling like enamel pins of the merpugs, which are pugs that are also mermaids. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. like this 
weird shit that's so delightful and when i feel like when you read his stuff you're like man this is just fun and weird <laughs> so i am delighted that he has a new book coming out um because yeah. i want more people to know about him yeah and i think we talked to him on the show a while back i think we did an interview with him and he was he was real fun to talk to yeah i, I cannot express how great this first issue was and looking at the image previews page for it it looks like it is going to be in black and white so like uh, this book is going to fucking rule so i hope everybody checks it out it's a three issue mini series really really excited for the rest of this the other book i want to talk about real quick is bun's comfort corner uh this is written and drawn by chu knapp it's published by Shortbox, so if you're one of those folks that happens to get, happen to get in on the last Shortbox Kickstarter that they did, where basically they, uh, you know, they say this is a limited run of books that we're going to do, you know, you can get them all in this one big batch here, and then they're going to sell individual copies um, on their website. But usually they they do like short print runs of this stuff. Uh, but anyways, this book is. Uh, half comic book, half cookbook. It's a wonderful read from start to finish. Um, you follow Bun as they live their life and try to survive in the simplest, most comforting foods that they know. Um, you know, sometimes life is hard and sometimes all we have are the comforts of the foods that we know how to make in the quickest and easiest way, right? Like not everybody can say like, oh, I'm not feeling great. I'm going to order, you know, Taco Bell or Burger King or whatever you need to go to. Um, mm -hmm. Instead, you know, this book talks about all of the simple foods that Bun, a.k.a. Chu, who is writing this book, um, likes to make. So as they're talking about, oh, I had a bad day at work. Um, I really wanted to just go home and not do anything, but I need to make food. I made X. And then they walk you through literally how to make these things with photos and instructions. So it's uh, each little story is paired with a food um, and a recipe, which I think is really fun. And uh, yeah, like I had a really fun time just reading this as someone who has... Uh, tried to be more proactive and experimental in making food rather than just saying, okay, I know how to make X. Let's just make grilled cheeses all the time. You know, I have been trying to make more food and to see these little like simple recipes that are supposedly very delicious make me excited because my favorite thing in the world is saying, hey, take these handful of simple elements and make them into a super delicious food. So yeah, this is a really, really nice read. And uh, I think that if you could get your hands on this, you will also find it to be pleasant. And it's just a nice little book to have. And, you know, maybe maybe this is one of those things where like, if somebody else can't get a copy of this let me know and we will we can mail it around like sisterhood of the traveling pants i don't think that that's the right <laughs> reference to make here but uh still I, I i like that idea of like just mailing comics around to people or something um so yeah it's it's adorable it's informative and it's just a fun little comic book and i i fucking love that this is the medium that this book was put together in because you could have just made a cookbook right and just been like here some simple recipes and you know done that thing that everyone hates about recipe websites that they do intentionally for copyright purposes where somebody goes okay so you know i'm gonna make eggs and hash browns for breakfast but let me give you my life story before i get to no. the actual recipe itself there's a whole reason behind that I, I, we can put on our tinfoil hats and talk about it after this but um yeah this book i like that there was this little fictional narrative as well as these these uh recipes to go along with it and i just like to go from ghost cage to buns comfort food corner <laughs> makes me really, really appreciate this medium. So yeah, anyways, fantastic book. I totally loved it. Um, but yeah, let's let's move on. Let's talk about comics that we're excited for, comics that we're going to be reading next, whether they're coming out this upcoming week or it's something that's on your backlog. Uh, we're going to be talking about the comics on the top of our pile. So I'm going to pitch things back over to Kara. What are you reading next? Okay. So first of all, I'm a filthy hypocrite and that's fine because mm -hmm. after in a previous episode of me saying, I'm not going to read War of the Bounty Hunters. It's an event book. Uh, I'm going to read War of the Bounty Hunters. because. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Now it's been collected in trade and I could get it out from the library. So 
<laughs> I'll give it a okay. whirl. I do like Charles Soule's Star Wars writing. How bad could it be? I'm just mad that they made it an event with useless tie-ins. I'm so excited for the next episode that you and Nick are both on because then you can then we can really have a conversation about this. <laughs> okay. Um, also on my top of my pile are the Hawks Pox. <laughs> Is that how I say it? Is it? Yeah, sure. House, House yeah. of X. Pa- you said it was Powers of Ten. Is it Powers yes. of Ten? Okay. See, I had no idea. I just knew that this was a Buzzy X book. What two years ago? One year ago? And I've three years ago. Time I is think. meaningless. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember this was the X book, and I just kept seeing Hawks Pox everywhere on my Twitter feed, and I had no idea that it was really powers of 10 until i think mike said it on a show a few weeks ago and (laughs) i thought well clearly i know nothing about this but everybody read it so i feel like i should read it to know what's going on so i also picked that up from the library and then uh keeping in theme with today's show about murder uh (laughs) i got a a comic book to read called murder book by hillary fitzgerald campbell The full title is Murder Book, a graphic memoir of a true crime obsession. It is a book that they say is humorous. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) like it's a kind of a memoir about the author's uh, true crime obsession. And it basically looks like a 300 page playground for her to talk about this thing that she's nerdy about. So I always Hmm. I always like books like that. And I thought, let me continue with the theme of this week's show and learn more about murder. (laughs) (laughs) amazing amazing that's where i'm at gotcha kate what about you what are you excited for next i'm excited for a couple of things that i've kind of mentioned before um and i just wanted to kind of like shout them out right now um Mm -hmm. the first one is the mia you love in the dark volume one by scotty young and i think it's george corona and i was really impressed by the first two issues of this so i've kind of been like waiting for it to come out as a collected volume and here it is Uh, The story focuses on an artist who moves into this big old house where like some kind of presence already lives. And the tone of the story um, from what I've read so far is like dark, but it's not really a horror. Like it's not a scary book. It's just like dark. I don't know how to describe it, but I really enjoyed it. And um, I I've got a a trip planned to my local comic book shop. I think I'm probably going to pick this one up uh, physically, which is unusual for me so wow big recommendation um and the second book that i'm looking forward to is witchy volume two i've mentioned this before actually kate scotchless also mentioned this before back in like the fall you know seasonal reads for witch books Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and this is actually a web comic that's that's being collected physically um and it's about this girl who um, it's like a it's like a magical kingdom, but this girl has too much magic, and so uh, she's <laughs> okay. kind of being you know um, ostracized in a way, and she has to decide if she's going to try to fit in or if she's going to like fight against the system. And I was just very impressed by volume one, so I'm gonna definitely read volume two. Interesting, interesting. Um, well, uh, for me this week, I uh, I guess before I get into my 
my pick for this week or what I'm excited for. Uh, we do have a handful of folks hanging out with us on Discord. As I said earlier, uh, we record every Sunday for the most part at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. So if you want to come hang out with us, listen live, make sure you join the Discord and you too can get a shout out on the show. Just like our good friends Hugh and Danny who are getting shout outs for their picks and books they're looking forward to next. Hugh is looking forward to The Nice House on the Lake, number seven, which I am also looking forward to that, but I picked another book. And uh, Danny is looking forward to Batman the Kill excuse me Batman Killing Time by Tom King and Dave Marquez which is uh very exciting I think you know another Batman book by good old Tom King you know what can't he do another Batman book I don't think so so my my pick for this week is uh or I guess the book that I'm reading next or looking forward to next is Radio Spaceman number 1 this is written by Mike Mignola uh, art by Greg Hinkle colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Clem Robbins um, I don't know what this book is but I figure I should give a Mike Mignola book a try never really been someone to read Mike Mignola no joke um, I love Hellboy the idea of Hellboy and BPRD and all that stuff but I can't say that I've read more than volume one of Hellboy which is kind of blasphemous and maybe I should read <laughs> all of that this year I should just read through the Hellboy stuff but anyways um this is a new number one. Uh, Greg Hinkle, you may know from Airboy or Black Cloud. Um, he's also done a couple of other books, but um, this book is it's going to have very pretty art. I think the the stuff that I saw in Black Cloud was really pretty. I never read Airboy, but uh, I think it's going to look nice. And uh, Dave Stewart on colors is a perfect choice. Clem Robbins, I think, is also a regular on a lot of Mignola's books. So, you know, kind of kind of standard high quality stuff that you're going to get. Uh, the synopsis for this book is when a ship crashes and lands on a mysterious planet and some of the surviving crew go missing. The mysterious mechanical hero Radio Spaceman is called to investigate. But the planet hides so much more than the missing crew and Radio Spaceman may be stumbling into more than he can even handle. Interesting premise. Sure. I don't know if Mike Miola does a good sci-fi book, and I'm going to find out. I'll let you guys know. Um, but yeah, looks cool. And honestly, at the end of the day, I uh, just want the cover of this book as like a wordless print or just to get the character here like tattooed on my arm. It's such a fucking pretty cover if you haven't seen it google it radio spaceman number one it looks fantastic i just love the way that mignola draws um skulls and stuff so yeah looking forward to that stuff but we're going to take a quick break here and when we come back we're going to be talking about our goodreads book of the month in the pines five murder ballads and uh thank thank our friend nancy for picking this book and nominating it as part of our uh, february book of the month so we'll be right back in just a second This week on I Read Comic Books, we are talking about our Goodreads Book of the Month, In the Pines, Five Murder Ballads by Eric Creek, published by Fantagraphics. Kate, do you want to tell us a little bit about why this month's Book of the Month was a little bit different than our normal Books of the Month? Yeah. For this month on Goodreads, we decided to do like this you pick style where we had a predetermined theme and then all of the other, all the users could pick their own book that went with that theme. And this month's theme was non-traditional art styles. So if you're still interested in, in uh, doing that, we're actually pushing that forward through March for that you pick style. And you can just like pick your own book and, and talk about it on the thread and you don't have to like read what we're reading um, <laughs> but for the episode we we did pick a book out of all of the nominations all of the books people talked about um and we settled on nancy's pick for uh for february and that was mostly just because it was on hoopla and comiXology and easy to find and also i really liked the cover yeah but uh 
it is about murder and there are themes of sexual assault and lynching in addition to murder and violence. Uh, Did not think that one through, <laughs> but we'll get into that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, this is a, a pretty, pretty wild book, all things considered. I didn't know really what we were getting into. I thought it was going to be like a more spooky, scary like the Appalachia is going to destroy you be mentally and physically and blah, blah, blah. You know, was but that this was not, not your takeaway? Well, that was, here's that the was thing. hella my takeaway. I absolutely thought that this book was going to be about like the spookier side of the, you know, living in the forests of, of the Appalachian mountains. But instead, uh, the moral of the story of every single story was murder bad. And like, that's pretty much it. So <laughs> personally, uh, my my initial take on this was uh, I I wasn't a huge fan of it, but you know I do have thoughts about each of the individual stories. So I guess like uh, Kate, Kara, what what was your takeaway from this book? What did you what did you like? What did you dislike? I like the idea of taking. I mean, I like adaptations in general, but this book sure. took songs and adapted them into stories, which was really fascinating. And then also, like I do, there is a place for like these banjo ballads that these songs are if you look them up <laughs> yeah. and um sometimes they're like really good to listen to even if like the subject matter is kind of sad <laughs> um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i did like that like the creator took um kind of like took a risk and did this um just the the idea of again comics can be anything that they want to be um and you know this is an example of that and i liked i liked that about it okay kara what about you um so i went into this not not really knowing about the specific genre of murder ballads but in my head kind of putting them in a similar category to just to sea shanties since that was an earlier pandemic moment mm-hmm I'm thinking like, okay, we're telling a story, so it makes sense that a story would make for um, an adaptation. But after, so I sat down and I read the book first, and then after I read the book, I realized that I would need to listen to the song to see, like, okay, so I didn't have to, but I, I was thinking about, I forget where I read this, but with the Oscar nominations out, and so many nominees this year for best actor or actress were um, like somebody playing a real person in like a biopic or something. Mm -hmm. The The article that I was reading was arguing that the reason the Oscars keep selecting actors for those categories who have played a real person is because then there's a way to judge their acting more objectively because acting is whatever you want it to be, and it's super subjective. But if you have an actor who's playing a real person, you can look at the real person and be like, ah, how close to the real person did this person get? So it makes it like a cleaner comparison, I guess, for judging purposes. Sure. So sure. after reading this comic, I was like, I could just sit here with this comic, or I can go and listen to the songs and see if they did a good adaptation, or if I think that they should not be up for best actor this year. <laughs> that was sure, like my, sure. my thought process. And it was very interesting because it, when you're listening to a song about murder and kind of like what you were saying about expecting this to be about like the spooky horror of the woods in America. And well, it, I, I do want to put like a little caveat on that in the fact that I didn't like 
put things together until after I finished the entire book and there's an afterword that's about murder bells and I was like oh this all fucking clicks now I just <laughs> I wanted more you know when I I don't know that's all but I'll, I'll talk about that more yeah because the the they, they explain that the format of a murder ballad is let me tell you a story kids murder's bad <laughs> don't do it so doing an anthology of stories based on that type of song like yeah they're gonna be a little repetitive in terms of what the end game is for each of them um but i thought it was very interesting listening to the songs versus reading the stories how the tone was different in each of them like i was expecting all the murder stories to be like darker or bleaker and then listening to the songs some of them i thought were actually not very dark or bleak sounding but the comic Mm -hmm. did a really good Mm -hmm. job of conveying that mood so that that contrast was interesting but um yeah what did you, what did you think about the uh like going through this book not knowing what they were and then saying god it's the same story well i mean and i don't i don't want to like rag on you know anyone for for picking this book or if you enjoyed this book i just i don't know like a lot of this the, the stories all felt the same you know and you know in hindsight you know looking at the songs and seeing you know i listened to the performances fortunately nancy who picked this book wrote a very wonderful review of this that you know provided links to um recordings of all the songs that each of the stories were based off of which i thought was really nice you know taking that content and and trying to pair it with the stories themselves i think adds a little bit more flavor and depth to them but you know going into this without knowing that i was just like holy shit it's just about oh they killed someone and uh they feel bad about it murder's haunting yo ain't it like (laughs) yeah no shit like and again i'm coming at this with like a 2022 lens of like stories have evolved and these are the things that you know people wanted to tell stories about in song back in you know the day but i also felt like if you are writing a story in the year of 2017, right? This book was published in 2017, so maybe 2016 or whatever you're writing it, you do have the ability to interpret them in your own ways and show the things that you want to show and portray things the way that you do. I felt like every story was was hopeless in the end. No matter what happened, there was no like resolution that re- resulted in any sort of satisfactory end for me. Um, and that kind of sucks to read through five stories and have them all kind of be like, and he was haunted by the murder. Like, okay, that's <laughs> fine. Um, and you get that, I guess, like, I don't know. There is some, I don't know. I'm trying to like justify my reasons for not liking this, but like, honestly, like every single story rubbed me the wrong way more and more as, as I read through these. Um, like there was some tone deafness in here that I was like, you know what, if you're going to include lynching or you're going to include rape, you don't have to show it constantly. It doesn't have to be the focus of an entire fucking huge panel, you know, and maybe, you know, I don't know. That's me, me being like, oh, I don't want to see bad imagery, but also like there are intelligent ways of showing that kind of stuff without it being graphic or almost, I don't want to say celebratory, but like, it's the Game of Thrones thing, Mike. It's, it was almost like, yeah, exactly, exactly, right? I don't know. I, I felt like there was a there was a couple of panels where I was just like, okay, we did an episode about the male gaze a long time ago. This panel is that. Like, <laughs> this is the male gaze. This is not done for anything to to benefit the story. This is done. This is done to show uh, a woman with big old boobies, and I'm like, that's it. Like, and you're trying to tell us like these stories here that are 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 reflective of the Amer- of the american experience given a certain time period and i get that you could have omitted things and i would have still gotten the story 
You know what I mean? Artistically. Because I think that's the if you look at the text themselves and just say, like, is this a story about the story that happens in the song? Totally. Every single one of them pretty much hits that nail. I mean, he interpreted some things, whatever. But some of the imagery in the book, I was just like, not needed. Totally not needed, dude. Yeah. That's me. That's so interesting because I, I didn't even notice that the uh the points that you're making i was focused more on the like once i was going back and listening to the songs how um some of the adaptations i thought did a better job than than others like they're the one that i really liked the best in this comic book was the I think it was. We should the... have said full spoilers for the record. Oh, I'm yeah, sorry, we're a little late. Spoilers. Full spoilers for this <laughs> book. If you haven't read it. My apologies. Um, like I thought the the long black veil story with like the man is wrongly convicted for murder and he's not going to tell his alibi because his alibi was sleeping with his best friend's wife. I mm-hmm. thought that was embellished in the comic to indicate that perhaps the man who knew that his wife was cheating on him all along and framed the other man and i thought that added like a great level of depth but Mm -hmm. for the other stories i felt like a lot of the flourishes were more superfluous like the the story about taney town about the um like 22 year old black man who goes to the neighboring town while his mom is out of town and stabs a man and runs away and then another man hangs for it there were just like all these embellishments to that story in the adaptation where it was like he's maybe mentally slow and his mom is a sex worker and he's having flashbacks to his dad killing germans in the war and i'm like there's a lot going on and none of it is helping with the story like nothing is adding to the story like the things that i were picking up most on were sort of the tone switches like you were saying this book to read is like kind of a downer because everyone's just getting murdered and everyone's afraid but listening to some of the ballads, I thought the tone being ignored was the thing that bothered me the most. Like in the Caleb Meyer story, where like like you were mentioning the story with a rape shown pretty graphically. Yeah. And yeah, and then like the woman who is the victim of this who's like super pregnant and it's heavily implied that it's because this man raped her and then she's like just living in fear after the event she like killed the guy in self in like very clearly portrayed as self-defense but is still like living in fear of his ghost and you see over and over again the look of fear on her face she can't sleep her husband wakes her up in the middle of the night because she's like freaking out and she's still freaking out and listening to the song the song sounded more of like yeah get out of here you don't bother me. I already murdered mm-hmm. you. What are you doing? And it's just this, like such a contrast. So now I'm like looking back at the comic, I'm like, I don't know if this adaptation is faithful to the tone of the source material and it's weaker for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I do want to talk about the art because I mean, that's why we're here. We were talking about different art styles for this month's book. The, style in this book was pretty consistent i thought that it to me it was like clearly influenced by the woodcut printing style like if you look up a like a woodcut art style you just see all these blocky black and white shapes and then each of the stories in this comic were they had like a color tone to separate it from the other stories but it was all this um basically like black and white um more 
bold shapes. And I thought that was a very intentional and interesting choice because that is considered more of like a folk art. And so having more of a type of folk song and folk art in uh, as an expression in this comic book format, I thought that was a very good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. It's also interesting to me. I think I've talked about two color art on this show before. And I I mean, I'm, I'm a graphic designer and sometimes I have to do two color books. And one of the reasons that two color is a thing is because it saves some money in printing. Like you're only paying for two inks instead of four inks, but then you still have some color in the book. And it was interesting that each story in this book has a different second color because that means that they paid for full color printing for the whole book. Hmm. So it's just an interesting like color choice. Um, very intentional, like what Kara said. And it's interesting to me that even though they have these two colors that they can play with and like maybe mix them together in some ways, like you could get a lot of variety in the color and instead they have your your color is either full black or the full color of the second color as like the highlights or the shadows. And it was just a very like dramatic. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's definitely a look. And I liked it. Like, I mean, stories aside, like this art is really interesting. Yeah, it seems that this is Creek's kind of art style in general. And I totally agree. It, It definitely hit the mood. Like for every single story, the haunting feeling existed. I, I totally agree with that, but go ahead, Kara. Yeah, this uh, apparently this artist got the most international recognition from an adaptation of some H.P. Lovecraft work. <laughs> uh, that tracks, yeah. Right. So then after that, I was like trying to look up, like, how do I get my hands on this Lovecraft adaptation? Yeah. And like, this is mm-hmm. it. This is great. Um, the part of me worries though, because it feels like if this is the way he adapted the murder ballads, God help us with how he adapted the hp lovecraft stories but (laughs) that's that's maybe just me this is i want to say something about um the back matter of this book because like you were saying mike you got to the end of this book and then they had the explanation of this is a murder ballad and it is going to moralize and tell you about this i liked that section but i wanted a little bit more because you have to assume that most people picking up this book are not intimately familiar with the history and the style of the murder ballad in American culture. And that was me. Right. But and like I have no idea. So I just was reading that one little piece where they said, oh, yes, we made some adaptations. We made some changes from the songs. And I finished the book and then thought to myself i would really have loved an essay or two by like a historian or a cultural anthropologist who was Mm. explaining the background of this type of music and you know maybe diving into the choice of the art style and how that relates because it, it did feel like there was a missing piece to explaining why this project happened in the first place yes yes it would have been nice to see even like a forward from the author or something about why they were drawn to this work. Um, because again, yeah, going into this blind kind of feels like, hey, you want to read some sad stories? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's interesting because we're talking about a different art style, but we also are like fundamentally we're talking about an adaptation here. And this is why earlier I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about why I didn't like Hamilton. So <laughs> Yes, please, please. <laughs> okay, so this is my sidebar soapbox. So I saw the musical Hamilton. I really wanted to like it. I understand that it's good. But since I saw In the Heights first, 
I was like, God, all this music is the same. <laughs> and the women were written better in In the Heights. I'm not talking about the movie. I refuse to believe in the movie's existence because it's I, I thought that was a bad interpretation. Anyway, mm. um, so Hamilton, spoilers for those of you who have somehow missed this particular cultural juggernaut, but you're following the life of Alexander Hamilton and the female characters are predominantly the Shiler sisters who are three like rich ladies in New York. And one of them marries him and all of their lives are kind of entwined with his. In the last song of the show, all the characters who are like remaining after Alexander Hamilton's death explain like what they do after the end of the show. It's like a looking forward thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. his wife is like, Anyways, um, I spend the next like 50 years of my life doing all this cool shit that women weren't doing at the time. And I was awesome. Anyways, good night and have a good time. <laughs> and I'm like, what? So <laughs> for me, like I left that musical really frustrated and upset because I was like, uh, you made me watch a boring dude just be full of himself for two acts when you could have had the one act rushing through the greatest hits of Alexander Hamilton and then getting shot. And the second act could have been all about his wife doing cool shit after he's dead. Cause they make it very clear that the only reason people know about him in as a figure in history is because his wife spent the rest of her life talking about how cool he was. I want that story. So the reason I bring this up, <laughs> didn't Hamilton write like 500 federalist papers or something? I mean, come on, that's worthy of an entire Broadway show, right? I, uh, <laughs> I just felt like because they they did like a side note at the end, almost like a throwaway. Anyway, his wife was cool, too. And I was like, no, it could have been so much cooler. So that came to me while thinking about this book about murder ballads, because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because a lot of these murder stories did have to do with a woman and in reading the comic adaptation i just like i have this little voice at the back of my head when i'm reading media and sometimes it will just say a man wrote this (laughs) 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 and and i had that feeling for um a few of the stories in this comic book and so like part that's partly why i went back and listened to the songs and found Mm -hmm. that in the songs generally the women were more calm and collected and less afraid and more like sure of themselves and so then i was like oh man i'm totally justified in thinking a man wrote this because a man chose to interpret these narratives of these women being like resourceful in a shitty situation and interpreted that as and then they were terrified to even fall asleep and i'm like come on dude right (laughs) and i you know and i think in the case of like the the story about what is it uh where the wild roses grow you know like that that story showed a woman who was like you know able to to fool the coppers and all this kind of stuff and i i like that but at the same time there was like a moment where the guy who breaks out of the jail or you know who's broken out of jail shows up and she's like what are you doing here and then he's like i'm gonna i'm you make me i'm gonna have a sandwich she's like good i'll I'll feed you and then she kisses him for no reason yeah. it's like what yeah. the fuck is happening like all you needed was an extra panel or two where she's like teasing him or something and like shows that she's in control of the situation rather than this reveal that oh yeah by the way she was th-. like if you listen to the story that's not even or listen to the song that's not even how the song goes like yeah uh, yeah 
the interpretation here was kind of weird on a lot of these songs, which again kind of goes back to my feeling kind of uneasy about the whole book because it felt like all of them were weirdly interpreted with like a a non-American and again this is me being like stupidly patriotic in a weird way but just like (laughs) to see someone who is a Dutch creator interpret American history in through the lens of an someone who doesn't live here and try to tell that story ends up with like a lot of stereotyping whether they're like and and like I guess taking like blanket understandings of things and not trying to actually understand the root of them. And then when you put it into on the page, it comes off as just like gross, like this is how this. things were, which is like not good. <laughs> it just it, for a, again, book published in 2017, this felt very tone deaf. I don't know. Well, that's where to your point, having a note from the, the artist at the start of the book would have been really useful in in him saying like oh you know i heard this story and it reminded me of this folk tale that i grew up with or and so i decided to take it in that direction but because we don't have that kind of introduction additional material we just don't know and so we're left to just be like ah, close i guess like i yeah, see I where you were going with this but mm, I actually yeah. did like that where the wild roses grow story that you were talking about where the like I, I did think that it had a really good twist in comparison to the song but you're right that part where the convict arrives at the house and she's like oh let me make you some eggs to go with that food that you're stealing from me also mwah, and it's like ah, yeah I, you yeah. know, and the, the thing is, like, we we see stories like this all the time, um, and they are done better. And I think this is where a lot of my my frustration with the book comes from: is that all of these stories had the potential, I think, to be great, and instead they were just okay. And maybe that's because of page limitations. Maybe just like again, the interpretation of the artist and how the stories that they were trying to tell. But I just would have, I would love an annotated version here <laughs> to try to get some of this. I don't know. Kate, what, what were your other thoughts on this book? I'd love, want to hear some more from you if, if that's okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that Where the Wild Roses Grow was probably also my favorite story. Like the the sex definitely wasn't uh, necessary at all, but I feel like everyone keeps their agency for most of the story. Like sure. the, I mean, the sex was consensual at least. And the, I mean, so the person that gets murdered was murdered in the first few pages and we never learned who that was or you know what their story was or anything so that wasn't uh, a person that kept their agency but the main two characters that the story focuses on like they're they're in control of their own bodies uh until a moment at the end where you know uh a murder a second murder does not happen but could have (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and then you have the twist where the the woman was you know kind of like a badass all along Mm -hmm. so that was yeah that was definitely the highlight for me i think possibly because the murder happens first and then you get more story after it mm-hmm. <laughs> well it's the only story that doesn't have the the same moral of like murder will haunt you like which yeah, seems to be the true. general and like i i get that to an extent like the you know the moral of a lot of these stories is and even in the songs is that like you know going out and killing someone just because it might be easy to do isn't the right answer because it haunts you for the rest of your days um, and it drives you to insanity. It'll drive you to jumping off of a boat. It'll drive you to seeing dead people talking to you. It'll drive you, you know, just in in general crazy. Right. But I also think that like 
there are better ways to interpret some of that rather than having every almost every story feel the same. But again, I I feel like I'm just belating the same point over and over. So <laughs> <sighs> I do have some questions for you guys. Uh, once yes. you're done discussing the book, no, I'm done. Give okay. me questions. Off this, questions. All right, this all right. So uh, first of all, the theme for the Goodreads book of the month was non-traditional art styles. So first of all, I want to know if you have any go-to books that you recommend anytime this idea in comics comes up. Uh, that's a really interesting thought because I, I think a lot of times I will try to go to like a Matt Kint or a Jeff Lemire. Um, I think a lot of people will, if only because those guys do really interesting watercolors like a Tyler Jenkins is also, I think in that, in that same boat where it's not just your, your standard standard, like Spider-Man Batman style with, which there is a look to that, I think in modern comics, but those guys are doing some really out there stuff. But if we're going like extreme out there, you know, Ray Fox is always a go-to for me as well. Actually, the first thing that screamed to mind was the art for Odyssey. That oh my comic. God, Christian Ward. Yeah. like that that book like i don't really i just remember attempting to read it being aware that it was extremely over my head but i just got like a flash of bold color when you said non-traditional art and i was like odyssey (laughs) when i think of the more like what we think of when we think of an american superhero style comic book and getting so excited when artists do try different things i do think about that batwoman run from like god like 10 years ago now maybe 15 years ago i think it was w hayden blackman and jh williams the third yeah yeah like that that was a book that was gorgeous and ended too soon but i think of that because they were doing really interesting things with um color and tone and shading and like really elaborate double page spreads that like just so visually arresting to look at but you really had to kind of like concentrate on everything because there were all these details in what were going on and i like yeah that's still a traditional art style but i think of it as non-traditional because they were getting outside of panels and not just to get outside of panels because that helped tell the story that they were trying to tell Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah, the Danny pointed out in the chat uh, the book that should have come to mind first for me, and I can't believe it didn't, uh, which is Martin Simmons in the Department of Truth. That book is is wild. Um, and Kara, what you just mentioned reminds me of Marco Rudy's work, like anything that he's done, but in particular, his um, the book that he did with Matt Kent on writing, which was uh, the Spider-Man or Marvel Knights Spider-Man, I think is what it was called. And I think the title of the story, which wasn't on the cover, was called 99 Problems. Mm-hmm. Um it's a wonderful, wonderful miniseries if you just want a fucking out there, crazy Spider-Man story. And what was that? What was that book that we all read and liked um, from last year? That like that's it was like that Snow White interpretation. I'm going to look it up. Uh, yeah, I don't think all of us liked it. But yeah, the uh, <laughs> I say from my, my own Snow personal glass perspective. Apples. Snow glass yeah. apples. Yeah. Very unique style. For very sure. interesting style, though. The art was very beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I always go to uh, Eleanor and the Egret by John Lehman and Sam Keith. Um, and it's just such a unique, I don't know, like like all of the human designs are caricatures, but then everyone has an animal and all of the animals are like pretty, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a comic, so they're still a little cartoonish, but they're pretty accurate. And the, the juxtaposition is just kind of funny to me. 
And then the story is about like, think of this high society lady and her stork doing art heists. So it's just like a really unique book. And oh, like that the art, delightful. the art takes some time to get used to because of like the way that faces are drawn. Um, but I just think that it's yeah, it is. It's such a whimsical story. It's a beautiful looking book from from Aftershock. Holy smokes. Sorry, I'm just I'm going through some of the pages on Aftershock's website. It's that's a gorgeous looking book. Yeah, drop that in the chat. Yeah, I'm, I'm post, I posted a link for all y'all. <laughs> I don't even know how to describe this art. Like it's it's almost like it started with colored pencils and watercolors and then was like combined digitally or something. Like I, I really want to know the process behind this. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could probably keep going with the list. Kara, was there anything else that you had? Um, no, I'm fixated on this Eleanor and the Egret book now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, my my other question for you guys is that did you did you look over the thread in Goodreads where there were other suggestions, and then did you like do you want to read any of the other books that were recommended there? I actually think that this this book that we read was my top pick. Mm-hmm. Just looking at everything because I just at a glance from we we're talking about like oh sometimes comics have cool co- covers and then we choose by that but i mean this the cover for this book was really bold and striking and i was just like like that immediately drew me in um mm-hmm. i think more than than any of the other ones so i i was glad that we chose this one for the episode to talk about even if uh once we got inside it was perhaps not the thing that we all thought we were getting yeah. sure to. sure uh, yeah, i, I think did that- like Go ahead, Kate. I was just gonna say I think that we were all pretty on the pretty much on the same page about wanting to read this one. Yeah, that that cover will get you every single time, and I, I'm, I'll throw that out to the folks who are listening from Goodreads. If you want to get us attached, put an image in your in your <laughs> comments. That'll suck us right in. Um, one of the ones that I really wanted to pick out or wanted to check out, I think I have. I bought a copy, like a physical copy, because it looks so cool. Uh, it might be coming. I can't remember. Um, was Skip by Molly Mendoza. This is one that was nominated by Aaron. That one just the the picture that Aaron posted alone was like okay I got to read this this looks insane uh I'm going to I'm going to paste the link to that in the chat but um the the other book that I really thought was interesting was that someone posted some people did post Odyssey and uh uh some some work about uh Department of Truth and stuff but uh the other one that I thought was killer uh where I just had a Parallel Lives by Oliver uh, Schrowen I'm going to yeah. say yeah that one looked insane absolutely insane i mean the, the whole list on on our goodreads was really good was wild like shade the changing woman was up there uh tilly walden's alone in space 100 percent agree with that a lot of really really good stuff like I'm, I'm so excited for next month to see what everybody does or nominates because i think we're getting a lot of killer books out of this oh yeah yeah i agree i i want to check out lind ward um they've got a couple of different novels out that they're all wordless and the art starts with woodcuts like Hmm. actual woodcuts um Mm -hmm. and it seems like they are kind of hard to find because i part of my trying to figure out which book we were going to pick to cover was to see if other people would be able to get them and this one mm. i was like i couldn't even figure out how to get it so but um i'm sure i could do a little bit more research maybe do like a special order or something and track one down yeah yeah that's what patreon money's for you know just let <laughs> <Yeah>. me know uh, <laughs> 
Um, well, yeah, I guess uh, any any final thoughts on this book before we wrap up here? Any anything? I guess we recommended. I think a lot of really good books. Um, if you're if you're maybe not into into the in the pines, but still, I think it, my I guess my final thoughts on this would be you know I think that there is value in reading this book, but no going into it that it's going to be a rough read. That's that's my kind of takeaway. Um, Kate, what about you? What are your last thoughts about this book? I don't know. I feel like I just need to reiterate that like the creator really took like did something unique here um, mm-hmm. with adapting a song. And yeah, like maybe it's not for everybody for sure. Um, but still, like I, I'd like to see more of this this kind of adaptation. This is something unique that I haven't seen before. Definitely. Definitely. Yes. Kara, what about you? I am glad that we stepped outside our collective comfort zone. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that was great, and I and I also got to listen to some music that I wouldn't otherwise have listened to, and now I'm sure my Spotify recommendations are going to be all over the place. Yeah, that's maybe <laughs> I mean, you know same here. I clicked on all those YouTube links, and I'm pretty sure the algorithm's like, oh, so you like folk music now, huh? I'm like, oh, hold on, <laughs> s- slow, slow your roll. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, cool. Well, thank you both for joining me this week on the episode to to discuss this. I think this was a lot of fun. You know, d- despite our varying opinions on it, I I do appreciate you know stepping outside of our comfort zone, just like Kara said. Um, but next week's episode, uh, you can join me, Nick, and Kate as we talk about comics that are constantly. I should say, Kate Scotchless. As we talk about comics that are constantly having us look up things on Wikipedia to determine whether or not they're real or fake. Um, and sometimes it's better not knowing the truth. So look for some. We're just going to do spooky month here in, in March. So I don't know what's <laughs> up with that. But as always, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow Kate at Kate Elfier. You can follow Kara at Kara S. Sam. And you can follow me at Mike Rappin. And you can follow the show on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok at IRCP Podcast. This episode first aired on Patreon, and if possible because of our wonderful patrons. Join today for exclusive series like the IRCB Movie Club, Saga of Saga, and more. You can follow that at patreon.com slash Podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show. Five stars really does help us on Apple Podcast, um, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, um, because, you know, we deserve it. <laughs> we got to get those Spotify numbers up. So, folks, go rate us on Spotify. You know you love us. Please. <laughs> Join the IRCB Discord community to chat comics and more. Plus, you can listen to our episodes live as we record every week. There is a link to our Discord in the show notes. Podcasts grow best when spread by word of mouth, so why not tell your friends, family, and local comic shop about I Read Comic Books? We'd really appreciate it. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music, and we love them for that. Uh, Xander is our very cool guy who edits the show. He makes us sound great every week, and you know what? We just we just love him to death, you know? I want to say thanks again to Kate and Care for being on this episode. Thanks to Danny and Brian and Cinco and Hugh and everybody who was hanging out with us in the Discord chat today. You were fantastic. Thank you for doing that, and thank you to everyone out there who listened to the show we love you to death we love you to pieces until next time comics are good and so are you